Okay, that's it. So, thank you for joining me in this broadcast. I know that you're going to be blessed and touched by God's unconditional love. Um, I would like to just start off by reading a scripture that can encourage you, and then I will share a little bit about the trip that I've had to Canada and the U.S. Um, I want to read from Psalm 119, and I think it's about verse 117, one of my favorite scriptures um, in the Old Testament. It says this, and it just speaks about the grace of God in a great way. It says, Every word you give me is a miracle word. How could I help but obey? Break open your words. Let the light shine out. Let ordinary people see the meaning. Now that is so powerful because God's word is a miracle word. And that's what I went to do to just preach this miracle word um, in a conference in the United States in, um, with Alan Spiegel and Safe Harbor. It was a wonderful conference. Just the atmosphere of a place where people all believe grace. Where people know and understand and where their hearts are opened for the gospel of grace. It's just so wonderful to know that you can share that with people and people's attitude and their hearts is positive towards that message and how we could just impact each other's lives. It was just so, so awesome. Um, I will be going on a yearly basis to the United States and to this, um, to this conference because I just believe that that is needed in one's life. It's good for leaders. If you are from the U.S. and you're watching this, make sure that you, um, that you watch Grace Stream TV. We will be broadcasting those sessions. Um, as soon as what we get it from them, we will upload it and have it on Grace Stream TV. So just look out for that. It will really impact your life. You know, if you're a leader and you've got a church, and it, it is so easy to be performance-orientated. It's so easy to be works-orientated. And I've realized one thing, and, and this is just so true and it is so real, and that is that we don't chase after success. We don't try to be successful. We are ministering the success of the cross of Jesus Christ. That is what we do, because we are already successful. One thing I've come to realize, and we've also, I've also ministered it there, for those of you who haven't watched that, the message is already on Grace Street TV. Um, and, and, and it is this, that we don't, I, I can't become more successful than what I am. What I'm doing right now is what I'll do for the rest of my life. The size of the crowd m- might change. But what I do right now, that's what I'm going to do. If you're a leader, if you're a preacher, what you do is when you start to do it, when you start to minister the gospel, when you start to share, that's what you're going to do. If, you, if, if that's what you believe you're called for. And that's it. So if, if you want to even talk about worldly success, I mean, what's the difference between what you do now and what you will do? And um, the only difference might be the amount of people you reach. What I do right now is preach to people. And that's what I will do for the rest of my life. That's what I want to do for the rest of my life. That's what, what this ministry is about. To minister this gospel of grace. To pray for the sick. To see the power of God manifest in people's lives. Minister this gospel. If you do it to one or you do it to a thousand, it doesn't matter. We've reached that which we've been called for. And Paul has, Paul has said that in his writings. And, and if you're a leader, listen, I want to advise you... Um, Watch uh, uh, or go to, if you're in that area, in, in Florida area, uh, link up with Alan Spiegel, link up with uh, a Safe Harbor Network. It will really touch your life. We had an awesome, awesome time there. Um, from there I went to Canada and uh, in the western parts. We first went to Vancouver and then to um, Whistler and we've ministered in that area. It was awesome. We saw people's lives being touched. We ministered at Danny and Romy's house. They've got a little 
congregation, if we can call it, call it a congregation. It, it, just a lot of people gathering in a house, a little building, a little church on the property there now. And uh, we had three wonderful sessions there, um, just packed with the power of God. Um, from there we went, I can't remember all the town's names, we went to another town, ministered there. That, that was so awesome. I was in a little church, um, I don't know what what denomination it was, but it was a church where, um, you know, they would read the scripture and then you follow them and you read it. And then everybody stands up and s- follow the, the person that leads you and what they say and you sit down, it's like a, a ritual. Went through that and then I had 25 minutes to preach. Man, was so, so powerful. Um, people were just crying. They were just touched by the love of God. After that, um, the service was over and they said I could have another session. I could preach as long as what I want, an informal session. And people were really touched. And I could see how that gospel of grace was just infiltrating the lives of people and the lives of leaders. I spoke about, um, at that specific church, I spoke about, um, in the second session, about being born of God and what it means, you know. And, and I could just see really how leaders' lives was impacted by that message. How we could see leaders come to a place where they say, man, I receive being born of God and not try to be born out of my own willpower. Um, from there we went to the western side, uh, the eastern side, I mean, of Canada to, um, and just encouraged a couple there with, with this gospel of grace, um, Aaron and Julie Morris. They're starting out a small work in that area and uh, it was awesome just to sit and fellowship with them, encourage them. The, the, the purpose of me going there was to encourage them as a couple. We also had some meetings and um, saw very close. There was a lady uh, that had a, a problem with the retina and she was becoming blind in her eye and struggled to see because she could only see on a little on an angle like that. And she's an accountant. She, she couldn't see anymore. And um, God healed her miraculously there. So, and we saw many other miracles as well, uh, where God just healed the sick and, and all of that. So, yeah, we've had a wonderful trip. For those of you that prayed for me on this trip, thank you so much. For those of you that sponsors this ministry financially, thank you for your support. It's wonderful to know that there are people that back this ministry and back what God does in, um, in this ministry. I just want to read the scripture once again. Um, It is such a powerful scripture. It says, Every word you give me is a miracle word. How could I help but obey? Break open your word. Let the light shine out. Let ordinary people see the meaning. And that is just the prayer of my heart for you today. That you can understand and see this miracle word of God. That that, That one can break open. That can bring understanding to your heart because that will bring you to a place but you say how can I but obey because it's such a wonderful wonderful word hallelujah I would like us just to pray together and after prayer we're going to um, you know uh, uh, just go over to worship and as we go over to worship I just believe that as you worship you can just open your heart say God thank you for your unconditional love thank you for your care thank you for for your love towards me thank you that you that my heart is prepared to hear this word of love. Hallelujah. Father, I want to thank you for everybody that watches. I want to thank you for everybody that hears this gospel of grace. Father, I want to thank you that they will understand and their hearts are open to this word, that your spirit can come powerfully and bring healing and restoration and 
establish people in who you are. And those of them that are established and understand this, I thank you, my God, that they will just, um, that it will just confirm what is in their hearts and just make it so concrete and, 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 um, and solid in their lives that it will never, ever change. They will stick to this gospel of the basics of what Jesus Christ has done for man. Thank you for your unconditional love, my Father. In Jesus' mighty name. And as we worship now, I thank you that your power is just manifest in the minds of people. Lord, thank you that you don't come through worship. Because we worship, you manifest. We are just in worship, conscious of who you are and that you are with us already right now. In Jesus' mighty name. Um, right, we wanna, I would just like to speak a little bit about finances um, and just encourage your heart in this. Know that God loves you unconditionally. Know that God cares for you and that He wants you to be prosperous in this world. And one of the greatest ways to prosper is to live without fear. You know, if you live by fear, it's not going to give you any peace. We are not there to live by fear. We are not there to live by, um, you know, oh, how God, how will you ever uh, meet all my needs and all those type of things? No, we, we are not living by fear. We are living by a loving relationship with God. We are living with, with absolute peace in our hearts because we know that by His sacrifice, everything has been given to us. I liked what uh, Jimmy Swaggart said last night. I listened to one of his messages um, and it was so powerful. He said in uh, Galatians chapter 4, he says, these things I want to preach to you till Christ be formed in you. And the, the vision is not to see a preacher formed in you. The vision is not to see you, you become like this man or that man or that fear be formed in you but that just who Christ is be formed in us. And that is exactly what I want to see in your lives when it comes to finances. That who Christ is, how He thinks about finances, how He feels about money, that that can be formed in us. Now, um, let's read from Philippians chapter 4 and um, we read from verse 10. It says, But I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at last your care for me has flourished again, wherein you were also careful, but you lacked opportunity. Now what he's saying there in simple words is that he was blessed with what they gave him. So in the New Testament we see that it's not wrong for people to give money. Uh, I just want to bring a balance here and explain how it works in the church. Paul says clearly in 1 Corinthians that if somebody farms, he expects a harvest. And uh, when he harvests, nobody says, well, look how he's sinning, because he is reaping. Um, when, when somebody goes to war, he doesn't go on his own expense. The government supplies for him, and nobody says, well, you see, this guy goes, he goes to war, and it's not right because he's receiving for free from the government. No, it, nobody says that. In the same way, when somebody preaches, and somebody comes out of the abundance of their heart and gives to the preacher, how can one say that's wrong? It is not a sin. And that was basically what Paul was trying to say. Paul was trying to say that it is not wrong. It's right if somebody sponsors somebody that preaches the gospel. It's not wrong for me to have, to, let's make it very practical. It's not wrong for me to have a donate button on uh, Graystream TV or on, uh, on my website so that somebody that feels out of the abundance of their heart uh, can, can click there 
and give. That is an opportunity that somebody has to give. So that's not wrong. And that's why I'm not ashamed to say that. And that's why I'm not ashamed to put that on. Because Paul said, clearly here he says, that you wanted to give to me long ago, but you didn't have an opportunity. So the New Testament way of giving and receiving works this way. I preach the gospel to you, or whosoever your pastor or preacher is, he shares the gospel of grace with you. You get that, you feel in your heart an abundance to give towards that ministry, and you give towards that ministry. And that's it. That's how simple it is. It's not of me making a command that says, well, I must do this, or I must do that. No, it is simply you saying, well, God, I feel abundance in my heart. I feel joy in my heart. I want to give towards this ministry. I want to bless um, this, this word. And, and that's it. Not saying, well, if I give this, then God is now going to bless me and then God's going to prosper me. Now, that's not what Paul said here. He says, but I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at last your care of me has flourished again. So he says, I'm happy that you gave to me. Wherein you were also careful, but you lacked opportunity. Look, look at the heart of Paul. These people, for a while, didn't give to him because they didn't have an opportunity. But he wasn't walking with a bitterness in his heart towards those that didn't give for a while. Because he knew that in their hearts they want to do it. They just lacked the opportunity. Um, and he knew that it was not wrong to receive. Now, for those of you that's been hurt concerning finances in the church, you've been abused. You feel that, man, leaders have just abused money. We've looked at people that, that the only guy that becomes rich out of the teaching is the preacher because they make promises that if you give before this time, then God's going to end the recession and now it doesn't happen and the recession is still there. If you give this amount of money or you give that, give that amount of money, then God's going to bless you. You've gone into debt to even give to the church and to that preacher that made those promises and now you still sit with the debt and that preacher, if you email to him and say to him, listen, I, I, I don't have, I'm struggling, he's never going to answer you anyway. So, and you sit with hurt in your heart. If you sit with that hurt, I want to tell you, don't let that hurt rob you of the truth when it comes to finances. The truth about this is that you can be who God made you to be. And inside your heart, you are made in the very image and in the very likeness of God. You're a person that can express love. And that giving of finances is an expression of love towards the poor. It's an expression of love towards the gospel and the lost and people that need to hear this, this message by supporting this so that others can also hear this. That is already in your heart. And this is what Paul says here. He says, um, clearly, I know that you were careful, but, you, you, but you've lacked an opportunity. And I want to say, there are people out there that you haven't given for a long time. And you walk with guilt in your heart because, you know, you feel actually, man, I would like to give, but I've been so hurt that that hurt stops you to do that. I want to say to you, we understand that. And God understands that. But you can also know that the opportunity has been taken away from you by this wrong gospel, you know, a wrong doctrine concerning the thing, which just hurts people. So, um, he says, you know, listen to what Paul says and, and, and the attitude of Paul. He says, not that I speak in respect of want. Not that I say, 
He says, these things I say, I thank God that you've given to me. But not that I say that I want your stuff. So Paul's attitude was not, how much can I get out of these people? And I want to say, it was so nice for me to go to the United States, to go to Canada and preach, and not have in my mind, how much money can I get out of these nations and these churches to bring back to South Africa? But that one's heart could be, listen man, I want to just spread the gospel of grace. The the moment we understand finances the way it is, and, and if you're a leader watching this, if you're a pastor watching this, and I know that there are more and more leaders watching these these sessions. If you are watching this, you, we want to preach with a pure motive. We want to preach with a heart that that doesn't um, is, is is simply for the gospel of grace, not looking towards people saying, "What can I get out of them?" Because that makes you feel you've got that heart. There was a time in my life when I also preached like that. You know, oh, I hope I get a lot of money here, or I hope th- these people sponsor me, or that type of thing. You know, you preach, but you feel like a hypocrite. Because you're there for what you can get out of the people. You also preach to them, but in the back of your mind is that check when you leave. Now, if we can leave the, 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 the support thing to God, and let God work in the hearts of people, let, let God take care of finances. Jesus gave us clear command, and as leaders I want to say this to you, Jesus gave us clear command concerning finances. Don't worry about what you will eat, what you will drink, or what you will wear. But first seek the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And these things shall be added unto you, because God is a caring Father. So, that is the only worry that we are allowed to have concerning finances, and that is not to worry about it, and to leave it to God. Amen. And what I see in the heart of Paul here, I wish I can say that I see it in the heart of every church leader. And maybe you are somebody that is at a place where you say, well, I'm learning, I want to I be a preacher of the gospel, I want to go into ministry, I want to share this message. I want to tell you now, you don't have to go through the place where you know in your heart that you've abused people, you've used people to get money from them, and, and, and walk with that guilt. You don't have to have that. You can, from the beginning, put your mind to rest in the person of God that will supply and meet your needs. Listen to what Paul says here. He says, Not that I speak in respect of want. Oh man, that is so powerful. For I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. Now that is something that is not ministered often. But that is what Paul states here. And, and I see this as a fruit of the gospel of grace. For he didn't want to abuse people for his, for his own want. He says, I, um, I, know bo- I, I know both how to be abased and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So he said, I know by the power of God, how it is to have and not to have. So what he says is, in the power of God, in the gospel, there were times when I had, and there were times that I didn't have. So that does not mean that if you are a church leader, or if you are um, a, a Christian, that if there's times when you don't have, that God isn't, isn't blessing you. Because, listen to what he says here. He says, I know both how to be abased, and I know how to abound, 
everywhere and in all things I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all these things. I can even go through poverty because there was a time when it was just practical and these people couldn't get money to Paul. They didn't have an opportunity. Now, they didn't have, you know, um, a a banking system like we have today. And I I just want to say this to those of you that live in South Africa. I think South Africa's banking system is the best in the world. You don't struggle to get money from one account to another account. We are advanced concerning that. And when it comes to cell phones, I think South Africa is the best in the world. You know, I I lived in a town just outside, um, 5Ks outside of the city where Boeing's land and you don't have a signal. Um, there was places where they just put in normal, normal tel- telephones in, in Canada. It was like, I, I, I thought that we are so handicapped down here in Africa. We are advanced. Bless God. So, you don't have to go to another country for the internet. Our internet's good. You don't have to go to another country for cell phone reception. You're going to be upset. Um, we are blessed here where we are. Amen. So, <laughs> simply, all that happened here, Paul just said, listen, these guys didn't have an opportunity. They had to have a donkey, three donkeys with bags and stuff to send stuff to Paul and they didn't have an opportunity and they couldn't send it. And Paul said in that time, he, there was times when he didn't have. But Christ strengthened him in that time. So, he's, so many times we see that only prosperity and a lot of money is the blessing of God. But what Paul said here is the blessing of God is to live in joy doesn't matter what happens. And in the charismatic church, we've only been taught that, that, that a lot of money is a sign of the blessing of God. The Bible does say that the blessing of the Lord makes rich, and it says that hard work doesn't add anything unto it. And that, that's what I believe. The blessing of, of the Lord makes rich, and it prospers us. But if a time comes when it doesn't seem as if you've got a lot of money and you don't have money in the bank and you struggle and there's like a recession in the world and, and people are losing their jobs, um, I want to tell you that the Lord gives you strength in that time. Amen. And it is not a sin and it's not a sign of God not blessing you. It's not a sign of God doesn't love you if your uh, fun, finances isn't always sky high and you this millionaire. Okay, now listen to what he says here. Notwithstanding, you have well done that you did communicate with my affliction. So, Paul was actually saying here that I was poor and I was struggling. God gave me strength in that time and I was content with such things as what I had and I preached the gospel. Not finding my identity in what I have. But even when I was in this, but when I was in this hard time, you did well in sending towards me. So, I want you to know this. If you've been hurt through finances and the abuse of finances and the, abuse of, of, and the wrong teaching of this, it is not a sin to give towards a ministry. It's not wrong. You can do that. You know? And whenever you think of that and you feel that pain come in your heart, ask God to show you the correct way so that you can live as a free person. Hallelujah. So, he says you're, you've done well. So, Paul says, it's a good thing to give. Now, you Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but you only. And here we clearly see what the giving and receiving is. And he explained it here. You gave, and I received. 
So here Paul says, so that giving and receiving is not you give and now you receive. The giving was you gave to me and now I receive. Right. Then it says, for even in Thessalonica you sent once and again unto my necessity. Now so many times we can read that wrong and say um, once and again meaning every now and then. Now in the Greek that's not what it says. It literally says that they've sent to him twice. Okay. Not because I desire a gift, but I desire... Now, l- listen to this. Paul is happy about these things. He's happy that they gave. Um, he, he says, I am glad that you gave to me. It's a good thing. Not because I desire the money. So, what he was saying, he was confirming what he said in the previous verse. I'm not after your stuff. But what he's blessed with is to see the fruit that comes into their life. That's literally what it says there. It doesn't mean you have this heavenly bank account and now God deposits money, you give towards this ministry and now in your heavenly bank account there's money. What Paul said was, I thank God that you gave. It served two purposes. The one is that I had to live again. The second thing is, and he says this is what was really in his heart, was to see the gospel bearing fruit in their lives. Just look at how pure this is. Look at how wonderful this is. It's to say, man, I want to see this message of grace so powerfully believed by people that it releases the nature of God in people. And when people give, I tell you, if, if, if people would have given to somebody else, it would have made Paul just as happy. Because the focus was to see the gospel bearing fruit in the lives of people. And then it says in verse 13, But I have all, and I abound, and I am heavy, um, uh, and I am full, having received of Epaphroditus the things which were sent from you, an odor of sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable and well-pleasing to God. And then it comes to how God provides for people. He says, My God shall supply all your needs according to His riches in His goodness or glory, by Christ Jesus. So I want to say to you that the way you will see finances, you've got a business, you work for a boss, you've got a, a, a wife to care for, you've got kids to feed, you've got to send them to school or university or all those type of things. When you feel a little bit of pressure come financially, don't go and say, well, you know, I, I'm, I, I've done something wrong somewhere. God, where have you, where, am I, where have I missed it? Now have the attitude of Paul that says Christ strengthens me in this time. In this time I'm not going to be discouraged. In this time who Christ is, the anointed one, what He's done strengthens me. I'm not going to all of a sudden take my eyes off the cross and get into works and say, well, what have I done wrong that God cannot bless me? I'm going to stick to the cross. I'm going to stick to what God has done in Jesus Christ and who He is and what He's done strengthens me even in this time. What Paul was saying by that was that finances isn't, his, isn't what strengthens him. What strengthens him is Jesus. So if you go through this hard time, maybe in this time, Christ strengthens you. And the time will come again when you will prosper uh, financially. The time will come again when you will see abundance of finances come your way. That's just the way it is. Hallelujah. So, um, because God meets all of your needs in accordance In other words, just as, in the same way as what He is rich in all His goodness. And He does that not by you giving to this ministry or any ministry, but by Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. 
Amen. I also want to just use this opportunity to thank everybody that has used the opportunity that there is to give towards this ministry. Thank you for that. It's wonderful to know that there are people whose hearts is behind this and this ministry and the preaching of this word. Amen. I would like to pray for everybody that um, concerning their finances. If you've, maybe you've got a lot of money and, and you don't know how to invest it. You don't know what to do now. I want to pray for you and I believe that this is just going to bring peace to your heart and give you wisdom on how to do that. For those of you that are going through hard times, I would love to pray for you also that there is, um, um, if you want to be very spiritual, use this word breakthrough for you um, and just say, man, prosperity comes your way. Wisdom comes. You'll be at the right time, at the right place. And I want to just say it this way, and um, Joseph Prince said it this way, and it's so powerful. You don't try and be at the right place at the right time. Don't do that. Because then you're going to be at the wrong place at the wrong time. If you want to be at the right place at the right time, simply focus on the gospel of grace. Simply look at how, at how much God loves you, not how much you must love Him, and you will find that the Spirit of God leads you to be at the right place at the right time. Amen. Father, I want to come and I want to bring everybody that watches finances before you. I know there's great fear in the hearts of people all over the world. When I was in America, Father, I saw people stress about finances. Um, they don't know what to do. People are saying the money they've put away for the day when they're old are just becoming less and less in the account and they're using all of that up. Father, I thank You that You bring peace to the hearts of people and that Christ, who Jesus is, strengthens people. Who Jesus is gives them true life in Jesus' mighty name. I speak over everyone that listens wisdom and understanding of this gospel. Wisdom and understanding of the provision that comes through the cross of Jesus Christ. Thank you for that, my God. I, I, I love you just for how good you are and what you've done for man. For those people that does have a lot of money and don't know how to invest and what to do, thank you that you've given them wisdom in how to do that. In Jesus' mighty name. And I just speak over everybody and I say, My God meets all your needs according to His riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Amen. Amen. Right. We're going to... I'm going to minister a message that I've ministered long ago. And I would just like to preach this again. It has just blessed me so much. I've ministered this message, um, the second last message that I ministered in... um, Oh, what's the place called in Canada? can't remember the town's name. But when I ministered there, I, th- this just touched my heart so much. When I ministered on the loving kindness of God and how much He loves us and why it is important to see God as a God of loving kindness. Why it's important to have a gospel of kindness and why we must have a gospel of love. It's important to have a gospel of love and a gospel of kindness because that's the only thing that can produce Faith in your heart and belief in your heart. It's important to have faith. Without faith, there is no salvation. And I want to just read a scripture on that, just to settle that thing once and for all. So many times we think, you know, that that we don't need faith to be saved. I want to read to you just about what Jesus Christ has done for the world. 
and how it works. And this is a very good explanation. It's in Jude, chapter 1, verse 5. What happens here is, there are people that started to preach and say, grace is a license to sin. And then Jude wrote and said that these people that say grace is a license to sin, they are not honoring Jesus Christ. And they are against the message of the cross. This is what it says here. They are denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. That's now verse 4. There are people that have crept in unaware amongst the believers in this time. And then they said this grace is licentiousness. And licentiousness literally means uh, a license unto sin. Because the law was preached. And then they said, man, this grace message just gives you a license not to keep the Sabbath not to tithe, not to sacrifice animals, not to um, go to the temple, not to give your yearly offerings. Not, it's just a license unto sin. That's, that's what they said. And then Jude said that th- these people that has come in like that, they are o- ordained to a condemnation. They're already judged by the law and condemned. Now, the Bible says this is condemnation, that they have not believed on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ in John chapter 3. So, if he says here that they are um, ordained unto condemnation, or given to this condemnation, it doesn't mean God has ordained them unto it. It means that they are not believing in Jesus. They are against the gospel of grace. And then he says to them, I will therefore put you to remembrance. Though you once knew this. So he says, you guys knew this. How that the Lord, having saved the people out of the land of Egypt. So what did God do? He saved all people out of the land of Egypt. And afterwards, destroyed them that believed not. So what is the gospel? In the gospel, salvation has come to every every person. But the person that does not believe, there's destruction for him. Because only by faith. You know, the reason why faith is so important is because we've been made in the very image and the very likeness of God. Faith is what puts what is real in the Spirit into action in our lives. Faith guides your whole life. If you all of a sudden believe that the water in your tap is poisonous, you will die of thirst. But you will not drink that water because... In your heart, you believe it's poisonous. Even if it's the best water there is. If you believe it, your faith will make that you will, you will change your actions. It will make that thing that was only words manifest in your life. If I come to you and I say to you, um, you know that, and, and this is what I also say about this recession that's all over the world. I think it is so blown up by the media that people stop to spend and then this thing is artificially also created and made, uh, because there's fear in the hearts of people. If I come to you right now, and I say to you, that all the oil supply in the world will be dried up in six months, and I will, I, I will come with a word, and I will convince you, that word is simply words. It, maybe it's not even true. It's just something that's in my mind. It's a thought. And that thought I bring towards you, when that is believed, that thought, which is, if you want to call it spiritual, it is just, it is not real. It's just a, a, a mindset. That thing will become true and manifest in reality in this world through you believing it. And that's the power 
of faith. And that's how God made man. To take what is a thought or an idea, to believe it, and through that you see the manifestation of it. Now the wonderful thing about the gospel, it is not just a thought. It is something that is real. Um, you know, this truth works, uh, uh, but it's directly connected to what is real. It's like Rob Rufus says. If you go and you sit on the railway track and you say, well, I believe that trains don't go on Saturdays and I'm going to have my picnic there, you're going to die. And through that, I want to say to you this way, that if you believe this gospel of truth, which is what God has done, you will find that this idea of God, which became flesh and manifested in reality, that is seated in the heavens today, which we today see as spiritual, will manifest in your heart through faith. There's no other way in which this thing can manifest in your life. You live by that principle every day of your life. And here it clearly says that God saved all of Israel. God came and He saved the whole world from the law. He saved the whole world from their sin because He has already died for the sin of the whole world. But those that don't believe, there's destruction for them. Because what? Because if you don't believe the gospel, you believe something else. And that something else will manifest in your life and there's destruction. That is destruction. So, uh, there, it's, it's needed that we have faith. Now, I don't want to say to you, you must have faith without giving you something that you can believe. And that is, uh, 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 that's why I want to speak about um, the loving kindness of God. Because we can only believe what is good. You can only rest your mind in what is good. If I come to you and I say to you, um, listen man, this, say there's a couple or, or this lady, she wants to get married and she's got a need for a husband. And I come to her, I say, listen man, I've got this guy for you. You know, what he does is, he, he will always want to change you. He will use you like a maid in the house and all you have to do all the time is clean. And you're going to produce for him children because he wants more children. And he wants to multiply himself and you're going to be the thing he uses to do that. And if you, out of bounds, he's going to punish you. He's going to limit your finances because he's a guy that saves and he doesn't waste money. Listen, <laughs> will you want to get married to him? Th that woman would say, no thank you. I cannot believe in that person. I don't want relationship with him. I don't want myself close, uh, close to him. Keep him away from me. But if I come and I bring somebody that says, listen, this person will care for your needs. He will love you for who you are. He's a person that if you do something wrong, he pardons freely in his heart. He's not somebody that keeps grudges. He's somebody that will influence your life for the better. He's the, who He is will bring out the best in you. His eyes, when He looks at you, will always be full of love for you. He can sympathize with you. Man, I, I, th that lady will say, Man, I don't even care how He looks. But that is beautiful. I want that. Introduce me to Him. So, because that word just produces 
belief in the heart of a person. And it opens a person's life to be influenced by another person. So, if we don't have a gospel that opens your heart to be influenced by God, which is a good news gospel, you will, we will never see the manifestation of Christ in our lives. We will never see that. It will always be our beggarly efforts to try and be like God. Just uh, during the worship, um, we, we spoke um, and, and, and we said, you know, so we t- talked about prayer. You know, when it comes to prayer, sometimes it's asked now, when have I prayed enough? Just the question is wrong. The question is a law-based question. When have I prayed enough? Prayer is about relationship. Prayer is, is, is a communication between you and God. You know, it's like when have I, it's like Vessel says, when have you talked enough to your wife? It's, it's, we, we don't have a law that says we must talk so much every day to each other. We don't function like that. There's an emotion in your heart. And you speak out of that. And because of a desire of communication, you talk. And that can differ day to day. You know? And there's a passion that we want to share. And that's the same thing with prayer. And that is exactly how it, how it is about the gospel. If there's not a message that can promote a, an openness of heart, we will not be impacted by the gospel of grace. For God has created us to open our hearts automatically when we hear a message of somebody that loves us, somebody that trusts us, somebody that is going to be good to us, somebody that will pardon our sins, somebody that will care for us, somebody that will influence us for the good, somebody that will not put pressure upon us. It's like um, last night I, I preached a message on, 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 um, in, on the Afrikaans channel we've got here in South Africa. And I said that I think that the tablets of stone that Moses carried from the mountains must have been about this size, you know, because, I mean, he had to carry it off a very high mountain, like type of rock climbing difficult to... He, he couldn't have had tablets of stone the size of this table, you know, this thick. I mean, you can't even pick one up. So how would he bring it down? And then one guy sent me an SMS and said to me, he thinks that the angels brought it down supernaturally. And then, uh, because they were big and heavy, uh, that's what he believes. And when he said that, I, I sent back, I said, thank you for the information. And it just came to my heart that, man, thank God that we're not under that big and heavy covenant anymore. Hallelujah. It, it, it's just exactly, if you think of a stone, that's what the law is. just big, heavy, burden thing that you must carry with you all the time. And that's not what God has, has come. He's come and says to you, He wants to remove the heart of stone. He wants to remove the heart that has got a law foundation. He wants to bring a heart of flesh. And that's why it's important to know that the gospel is a gospel of God's goodness. It's a gospel of God's love. It's a gospel of God's care for us. I want to read from Psalm 40. <coughs> Psalm 40. And we're just going to see what Jesus preached. Um, Psalm 40. Verse 9. What did Jesus preach? Let's just recap what I've said. We can't have a gospel. Well, let me put it this way. It's important for us to have faith. Let me put it another way. 
It's impossible for you not to have faith. You live by faith every moment of the day. The word faith is persuasion. Everything you do, you do out of a persuasion. That's it. And there's no way in which we can have access into this grace of God, into the salvation that has come to the whole world without faith. And faith in God is only accessed by hearing a gospel of love. Because God has put a protection mechanism inside every one of us to veer away from pain, to veer away from rejection, to veer away from anything that is not love. And the reason why He's done it in us is so that we will accept His gospel of grace. Amen. Now, this is what Jesus preached in Psalms 40, verse 9. He says, let's read from verse 8. He says, I delight to do your will. Oh my God, yes, your law is within my heart. I have preached righteousness in the great congregation. Lo, I have not refrained my lips, O Lord. You know that. So what did Jesus preach in the great congregation? He preached righteousness. Now, if we are preachers of righteousness, what is this preaching of righteousness? Is it the preaching of living right? Or what is this preaching of righteousness? This is what it says. He says, I have not hid thy righteousness within my heart. I have declared thy faithfulness and thy salvation. So what is the righteousness of God? What was preached was not how righteous we need to be by Jesus. What he was preaching was how righteous God is. And righteous means, um, in this sense, good deeds, good works. What was the good works of God towards us? The good works of God towards us, how righteous God was. This is what he says, I have not refrained my lips from thy righteousness. So when we hear the teaching of Jesus, when we read the teaching of Jesus in John, Matthew, Mark, Luke, we, you must realize that you must hear the righteousness of God. It's not a teaching about your righteousness. It's a teaching about the righteousness of God. How righteous God is. How good He is. This is what it is. I have not hid thy righteousness within my heart. I have declared how faithful you are. I have declared your salvation. How you save people. I have not concealed your loving kindness and thy truth from the great congregation. So, he used some synonyms here. He says, um, he used the word righteousness. And he he explains what righteousness is. He says, God's righteousness that Jesus preached was the message of how faithful God is towards sinners. How God saves sinners. It's also called, the righteousness of God, is also called the loving kindness and the truth of God. That is what Jesus preached. So what did Jesus preach? He preached about how righteous God is. What, what is this? If I come to you today and I say, I want to tell you, you know, I'm a preacher of the righteousness of God. You will say, oh, you know, now you're going to get out the Ten Commandments and tell me how righteous I must live. No, no. That's not what Jesus preached. He preached on how God loves sinners. That's called the message of righteousness. How God loved sinners. That's what it says here. His loving kindness and His truth. Truth meaning no consciousness of sin. So, uh, Jesus said, Father, I have preached your message of kindness. 
I have preached your message of, 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 of um, just righteousness, how righteous you are, of your salvation to the great congregation. So, whenever you read Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, you must read to see, not what you must do for God, but you must read how God pardons sin, how God forgives sinners, how God is gracious towards sinners, how God justifies the ungodly, how God saves people, how God is the Savior and we are not the Savior. That's what you must read. It must be a message of loving kindness. And if we take the word loving kindness and we break it up into two words, number one, loving and kindness. Loving, in the Hebrew they meaning a strong desire. A strong desire for something. So, loving kindness means it's a strong desire in God to be kind to people. So, whenever you read the the, the writings of Jesus, you know, I mean the, the life of Jesus Christ, the writings of Paul, the writings of Peter, Luke, James, John, when you read that, you must read a message that speaks of the strong desire of God to be kind to people. Hallelujah. And I want to say this to you. Don't say this is for somebody else that's logged in on Grace Dream TV. This is for you, my friend. This is right now for you. This is for you to have in your heart today. This is God's love towards you. God is a God that desires for you to see His strong desire to treat you better than what you deserve. His strong desire to, to give absolute hope to you. His strong desire that you can have absolute peace doesn't matter what happens in this world. That you can have absolute peace doesn't matter what accusation from the law enters in. Amen, man. The word kindness, let's just get into the word kindness. The word kindness means goodwill, benevolence. And then it explains, it says, the temper or disposition, I, I just want to put it this way, the character which delights in contributing to the happiness of others, which is exercised cheerfully in gratifying their wishes, supplying their wants, or, uh, um, ele- ele- or lifting, that's a too big English word for me, you must realize I'm Afrikaans, um, or lifting their distresses. Kindness ever accompanies love. It's the act of goodwill. That's what it is. So, let's go through this again. I want you to listen carefully. Now, see this in the context of Psalm 40. Jesus said, I have not hidden your righteousness in my heart. I've declared your strong desire, which is the character, your strong desire to do what? To contribute to the happiness of others, which you cheerfully exercise in gratifying their wishes. So God sits, and this is what Jesus preached, He preached God's strong desire, which God cheerfully exercises. So this is not a happy feeling from afar, like I've said many times. This is God cheerfully exercising. 
So, Jesus' gospel that he preached was not something, God will do this for you if you do this. It was preaching the desire of God, which God cheerfully exercised upon the cross in sacrificing his son for you, so that you can come before God with boldness, no consciousness of sin, being made righteous, having your distress, which, which is the law, which is to be overburdened with the practicalities of religion, which is to be overburdened with what's the next five steps to get the church to grow, and all those type of things, the 20 steps to get my ministry to expand. If you burden with all those things, Jesus Christ has come, and this was the action of God's love towards you, to say, I cheerfully... Not with a long-faced, oh, well, let me do this for this man, you know. Let me just do it for him, otherwise he's going to die. No, God cheerfully, with a strong desire, He comes cheerfully, and this is what He did in the cross. He cheerfully gratified all the wishes you ever will have. He supplied all the wants you will ever have, and He's lifted all your distresses. And He has done this. It's an act of goodwill. It was not just a feeling. It was an act of God. That's the gospel Jesus preached. Now, we can take that gospel and preach that gospel out of everything He said here. Um, you know, which that is what we do. I mean, that's, that's what we preach. Um, Mondays, Tuesdays, Thursdays, Fridays, Sundays. That's what we do in, in this ministry. That's what we want to see in this ministry all the time, just preaching the practical things. But the end of the message is this. God loves you unconditionally. That's what it must be. Because that is what will produce belief in your heart. I want to say to you, if you struggle with faith, the greatest pathway for you to have great faith is to study the gospel in a way where you see the gospel as a message that comes from a God that's, whose nature is to happily, with, with, with great cheerfulness, supply every need that you have for free. The moment you start to see the gospel in that light, your, uh, um, how can I say, your faith receptors will be opened up naturally, without you trying to believe. The gospel is not a try-to-believe message. It is a faith-producing message. That's what the gospel is. It produces loving-kindness. It produces faith. It produces belief in your heart. Amen. So, don't have this message, well, I'm going to hear something from Grace Stream TV today, I'm going to read the Bible today, and now I must try to believe. Wrong. That's not the way you're supposed to do it. The only way there is, is to say, my God, you are a God that is good. You're a God that's full of love. God is not even a God that tries to see how much faith you have. He just knows that faith is what will manifest this goodness inside your life. He, He just knows that belief is what will bring forth the manifestation of the reality in the Spirit in your life. That's why He wants you to have faith. 
And the reason why He wants you to have faith is because it is the most powerful way of manifesting what is real in your life. It's not a law. It's a reality. God isn't saying, well, let me see how many people I can get to believe. No. He's done this wonderful thing. And all He wants you to do is open your ear to a wonderful, loving, non-condemning gospel which is faith-producing, which is reality-manifesting truth. Amen. That's all. Because He's designed you to be like Him. Amen. So, the Bible says that those that come to God must believe. That word believe means, and, and, I th- and, I, and I've ministered on this before, and I, I just feel in my heart I want to do this on next Sunday as well. Speak on believe, what believe is. Believe is a resting of your mind in the integrity, God's habitual observance of truth, God's friendship with you. Hallelujah. Isn't that so beautiful that you can rest your mind in, in God's sound principle of His love for you. And that is what God wants for us. The gospel, the, the, the word belief is a resting of the mind. The word you hear must be something that produces rest in your mind. It's not supposed to produce anxiety. It's not supposed to produce a, a, a judgment system where you judge yourself. You know, Paul says something great in Corinthians. He says, I judge myself and I don't find myself guilty. Not that that even means anything. He talked about the law. He says, according to the law, if I judge myself, I don't even find myself guilty. But that means nothing. Because I know that God doesn't use that system to bless me. If I look at my life, I might not even find a fault. But that means nothing to God. That, 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 when it comes to, will I be blessed or not, you know what that means? It's like a zero. It just means nothing. That's it. It's like, it's like going to, um, you know, qualifying in university. If you study physics and you want to become, uh, 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 you want a doctor degree in that, and you do that, the whole thing on that, you know what? That it's like saying, I like, if you come right now and you hand in your uh, assignment and you say, this is my assignment, I love classical music. You know what? It, it, it doesn't matter what music you like because what you like, the music you like, has got nothing to do with that degree. In the same way, the good works you do, the righteous works you do uh, uh, according to the law, has got nothing to do with your righteousness. It's irrelevant. It means nothing. Every what we preach is not the righteousness of man. It's the righteousness of God. That's what the gospel is about. It's about the righteousness of God. How righteous God is towards man. And the more, let me put it this way. Righteousness, in, in the law sense, like what it was in, in when, under the Old Testament, when we spoke about righteousness, it spoke about good works. The better you want to see God, If you want to preach God as a good God, then you say how good He is to the worst of sinners. The more you can preach God and see God and believe God as a God that can be good to the worst of sinners that doesn't do anything good and prosper and bless the greatest of sinners, the more righteous you make God. 
the better God He is. The more you put a feather in His cap, if you want to put it that way, the more you praise Him to say, look how good He is. You know, if we want to praise people today, if we want to praise man, you will say, you know that God, or that guy, he doesn't even speak bad about those that steal from him. Then he will say, man, he's a real good guy. He doesn't even hate those that hate him. He blesses and gives more. If somebody does that today, we will, that is worshipping that person. If we would say, man, this guy is good to everybody that's bad. Then you are singing that person's praises. In the same way with God. Don't say God is good to those that are good. Say God is good to all. Hallelujah. Free from their works. For He's got a system that says it's not by works. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. And Jesus said, I have not hidden your righteousness. I've preached your Word. And that Word was the Word of how righteous God is. Amen. So, I want to say this, the only faith that counts before God, the only belief that counts before God, is the belief that comes from a revelation of the Word of God. And the Word of God is the Word that is clearly seen in in, in Psalm 40. And I end off by reading verse 8 and 9 again. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' mighty name. It says, I have preached righteousness in the great congregation. Now remember, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So by what word does faith come? Jesus preached the Word that could produce faith in the hearts of people. What was that Word? How righteous God is. I have not refrained my lips, O Lord, you know. I have not hid thy righteousness within my heart. I have declared thy faithfulness. Now, Jesus is explaining that word righteousness. Go and study it out in the Hebrew if you like. This is what he does. He says, I have not hid thy righteousness. I have declared thy faithfulness. For thy righteousness is thy faithfulness and thy salvation. I have not concealed your strong desire to be kind to people and your truth from the great congregation. Oh, hallelujah. I want to say to you, the only word that will produce true faith in your heart is a word where you hear a message that says, Oh God, you are a God that is faithful to sinners. You're a God that saves people. People don't have to save themselves. You are a God that's got a strong desire to be kind to people and God does not only walk with that desire anymore. That desire has been satisfied. His desire to be kind to you has been satisfied in the cross and the resurrection of Jesus Christ so that you can have a life where you can also feel satisfied. Amen. Amen. So whenever you read the Bible, read the Bible from the perspective of, I want to see God's unconditional love, God's mercy, and God's grace. Amen. I also want to just announce this now, before I pray for everybody, that we will just go on with our normal broadcasting, like we've done before I went to the, on this trip to the States in Canada, um, Mondays, Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays at 2 o'clock um, in the 2, 2 p.m., 
South African time, 14 hours, we will have a live broadcast and that will also be in the archives available every day. So you can uh, look forward to that. I started to read some of the Psalms and just saw some wonderful great things in the Psalms and would like to share that with you guys. So remember that. Um, send this link of gracestreamtv.com to people. Remember, if you don't want to send people to the website, we've got gracestreamtv.com, which is just the broadcasters uh, and the television station. So you can do that and um, tell people about that. Remember, gracestreamtv.com. Or, of course, if you want to go to dynamicministries.com, this website is just a, a wealth of information about the gospel of grace. I would like to pray for you. Maybe you've got sickness in your body. Know this, God wants you healed. Maybe you feel depressed and there's depression in your heart. This gospel is what will set you free. But I want to pray for you that the Holy Spirit just supernaturally comes and bring healing to your life. Uh, the Bible says in Hebrews that there is a power now available of the kingdom to come. And that power that is now available of the kingdom to come is to heal people, to see in many sickness healed in the lives of people today. So God wants to manifest what has happened upon the cross in your body today by the Holy Spirit. So I, I want to say it this way. So many times we think, you know, I must now believe so hard to be healed. No. We rest our mind in what God has done and the Holy Spirit manifests the healing. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. And let's do that right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, I come right now and I speak forth your healing power to every sick person, to every diseased person, to every troubled soul. Now, if, if, if you are that person, I, I would like you just right now, put your hand just on your heart, just as a sign of your faith. And I believe that the Holy Spirit will manifest the reality of the cross and the healing that has come there right now in your body and pain will disappear from your body disease will disappear from your body cancer will disappear from your body just supernaturally by the power of the Holy Spirit in the name of Jesus I bring healing over every sickness right now by the power of God and I say you are healed, you are set free. The power of depression is broken right now. I break it in the name of Jesus. And the Holy Spirit manifests that by the resurrection power of God. And I declare all people healed. I speak an openness of mind to understand the gospel of Jesus Christ. In Jesus' mighty name. Right now, I, I would just like you to experience this healing power of God. Maybe you're not watching the live broadcast. I've heard a wonderful testimony of somebody being healed when I said there's somebody with a, with a migraine and a headache right above the left eye and, and this person was healed almost a year after I preached that message. When they've listened to it. I heard this, this testimony in Canada and it happened when, when I was there. So in the same way, even if you listen to the rebroadcast of this or later in the archives, it doesn't matter. God's Spirit is ever-present. Oh, hallelujah, I, I bring you that healing. And, and just right now, experience what God does. It's like Mary said, when the, when the angel came and said, you're going to be pregnant, she said, let it be done unto me. In the same way right now, just in your heart, say, Lord, this healing, let it be done to me. 
Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' mighty name. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Thank you that you have joined us. Um, I'm looking forward to see, seeing you again in the week. Remember this, wonderful, this one thing, that you can always enjoy the love of God.